0: This is Dan Juergens, you are listening to and enjoying the Top 5 Comics Podcast. Welcome
1: to Top 5 Comics Podcast, people talking about comics, pop culture, and events. With us today, we have the Master of Disaster, Josh45. What's up? And CBS. Hi, how you doing? See, today we're doing episode number 183, and the books we're going to be going through is uh, War for Earth 3, number one, uh, from DC Comics, Slumber, number one, from Image Comics, and then Wolverine Patch, number one, from Marvel Comics, and after that we'll wrap it up with an interview with uh, Mr. Jimmy Palmiotti from the uh, Rhode Island uh, Comic Con 2021, uh, long overdue getting that done, actually, and I had to apologize to Jim for not getting it out there sooner. So sorry about that, Jim. Uh, but yeah, Gracious Man, awesome dude, done so many cool things, uh, super fun to talk to, so that'll be really neat. Uh, but before we do all of that, we have move into a little bit of news. What's in the news? What's in the news? Well, as far as things news-wise, I mean, uh, I've got a couple things today. So you said you had a couple things too, so do you wanna do, you wanna go first?
2: How many things you have?
1: three.
2: So... Do I, I mean, go first? You go first, then I go, then you go, then I go, then you gotcha. go. Gotcha.
1: That'll, that'll work pretty good. Uh, so, uh, a rare copy of Captain America Comics, number one.
2: Okay, so now I only have one thing.
1: See, that's why I wanted you to go first. No, because then it <laughs> makes
2: it lopsided then.
1: Not if we do the same thing. Oh, well, there you go. Anyway, an issue of that book sold for $3.1 million this week uh, at a Heritage Auction. That's the first appearance of Captain America. Extremely rare as far as a issues concerned especially ones intact so well
2: it's one of three that are 9.4 graded and there's only there's one in existence that's a 9.8 which is crazy that's never seen the light of an of day at an auction like it's it's like super rare and it only um it's it's surpassed by spider-man's first appearance um and that was 3.4 3.6 million like about six months ago i think
1: i was gonna say it's freaking crazy yeah, when it comes to old books, yeah, Captain America Comics, it's an old, it's an old book, 1941. So it's a, yeah, so it's a really, really old book, which is why it's, if in the grade it was in is impressive, that's, it's crazy. It's 80 years old. Yeah. one years old. It's impressive. Um, yeah, so that's,
2: that's all I have about that. There was supposed to be a dead shot film and it was delayed, uh, like, Contrary to popular demand, it was delayed before the Will Smith Oscars um, happening. And oh, really? So they put it on the back burner even before that, so.
1: Yeah. I mean, as far as the thing, when they moved forward to Bloodsport, I mean, character-wise, they're they're kind of the same character. I mean, Deathstroke, not Deathstroke, Deadshot, much more popular, a lot more comic book appearances. But as far as characters, I mean, they're, they're kind of the same, kind of. So, even before Ed Rizalba, and the two just kind of replaced each other. So, right, like, I I think it's still been cool to get another movie, but I mean now who knows? But if they already canned it already, then I guess whatever.
2: Well, yeah, um, but like he's has multiple things that have been either like delayed or canceled or pushed back or in light of everything that went on. So, right. Well, that's what happens. Crazy
1: nonsense. Um, So DC Fables series is returning with issue number 151. It's going to be part of a new 12-part story. Uh, Returning to the original canon from the end of the 150 that happened, I don't know, like three years ago? No, more than that. God, like five years ago? Uh, The end of the series at 150, which was a trade paperback-sized issue. And it had the battle between Cinderella and. Everyone else, and so, like, story-wise, that was the end of the series. So this is a return to that series, uh, where we have, uh, Jack and Green taking over as the main story. And, uh, best I can tell, I don't think Jack and Green was ever a character before, so they're saying it's a new story start. So even if you've never read the other stuff, in theory, you're supposed to be able to start with this book and move forward with it. But, I mean, it's still Bill Willingham writing it, so same dude from the original stuff. So that's pretty cool. I mean, a couple pages that are in the preview catalog look really cool. And as far as fable stories, I mean, they're, all, they're all twisted like fairy tale things, but as a series, it was pretty popular when it's happening. And I mean, it ran for a long, long time. So I guess we'll see what this 12 part does. It's, it's kicking off around the 20th anniversary of the series also. So I'm sure that's part of why they're doing it. Cause it's kind of returned to it for the anniversary. But it looks pretty neat. So I mean, that's pretty, pretty cool. I got one more thing.
2: Yeah.
1: DC flavored also. So the Batman Unbridled finally has a release date. This is the uh, Spotify exclusive narrated podcast. So they still haven't released how many episodes it's going to be, but it's going to premiere on May 5th. And uh, as far as uh, what it is, it's a, I mean, it's a, it's a podcast um, comic book. Uh, anyway, it's got a bunch of stars, a bunch of ca- a bunch of star types that are on the cast. Main one, or the- I guess the top build, the feature would be Winston Duke, who is playing the part of Bruce Wayne and Batman. So Winston Duke from, uh, Black Panther and, uh, Spencer for Confidential, taking the role of Bruce Wayne, which I think that's awesome. So I guess we'll have to see what it sounds like. I mean, as an actor, the dude's super talented, so... I think that'll be cool. It'd be interesting to see what it is. And that's all I really have for that,
2: news-wise. And I sent you something earlier today, and I totally forgot about this now. Also because you didn't reply to it. Because you're rude. That's what happens sometimes, I didn't see it. But there's um, a hardcover coming out, a G.I. Joe, a Real American Hero, Rise of Serpentor hardcover coming out in um, September of this year, I do believe. Oh, really? And, um... I was wondering if you were going to order it in, but I mean
1: I probably can if you want that.
2: It's an oversized hardcover collection that contains G.I. Joe yearbook number two from eighty six. Um, the story triple play, Real American Hero issues forty six through fifty three, and special missions number one and two from also from nineteen eighty six. So it is it's like pretty much all of Serpentor's run in those original Issues way back in the day, so I was, it looks pretty cool. I mean, collecting like random stories together like that. They, I mean, yeah. When
1: well, they do anthologies like that. They've been doing a whole batch of different ones over there. at IDW actually, a few GI Joe flavored ones, but they've been doing just, um, a bunch of um bunch of teenage mutant, teenage mutant Ninja Turtle ones. They're like best of books, so it's like the same idea except not turtles, obviously. Well, I do uh, it's supposed to be out in September, so yeah, I'll watch for it.
2: Cool.
1: Um, any other news, Josh?
2: Uh-uh.
1: All right, all right. Um, well, Moon Knight dropped. We got two episodes out of it. Thoughts so far, you like it? Not like it? Um,
2: I, I mean, I don't. Yeah, I mean, Oscar Isaac's fantastic. I mean, but it, yeah. <laughs> I don't know enough about Moon Knight, and usually I know at least enough about the character, but I don't. Right.
3: It's pretty
1: good. I mean, the first couple episodes are pretty good. There's, there's some weird differences in there between the books and the show, but I think by the time we get to the end of the show, the things that I find different will probably iron out because of the personalities and the way they sit. So once we get to the end of it, I mean, is it six episodes, eight episodes? Do you, do we know? I,
2: I don't know how many yeah, it's supposed really, to be. I don't
1: remember. Um, but yeah, first couple episodes are pretty good. I mean, it'll be interesting to see like how that balances out, but yeah, it's a, yeah, Ask Isaacs is good and the costume looks awesome. So. Both costumes look awesome. Yeah. Oh, pretty cool so far.
2: Yeah. Liked it. Ethan Hawke's pretty good as a bad guy.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. The whole thing with the glass and his slippers at the beginning,
2: creepy. I'm not like the biggest Ethan Hawke fan either. No? No. Oh. Huh. So that makes it even more like that I'm like, oh, he's not so bad.
1: Cool. Alright, well I guess after that on new stuff you'll we'll move on to books.
3: Just to let you know,
1: there will be spoilers. Alright, so we're going to open up with the uh, War for Earth 3. This is issue 1. It, the book's list is, is, a, is a two-part, but there's actual chapters that happen in other issues because it's a crossover book, which I know we mentioned that in one of the books to watch, but I will not come up to those back. But uh yeah, so the way it works, it jumps between other series. This guy is written by uh, Robbie Thompson and Dennis Hopeless, and he's got a Group of artists on it, so I mean, the book itself is a really big issue. Um, so we got pages by Stephen Pugh, uh, Dexter Soy, and uh, by Brent uh, Peplis. So it's got there's a, a whole bunch of different people doing it. So anyhow, uh, so when the book first starts out, we open up and uh, we join Ultraman sitting on his throne, being worshipped by the people of Earth Three. They are delivering him. All kinds of different things. There's like a giant plate of food next to him. Uh, one of the people has dropped off a giant painting. Uh, another one's got a golden eagle. It's like all these, um, they're uh, not artifacts, What we call them offerings, I guess, or, uh, yeah. Yeah. And so, like, it, they're paying tribute to him. And we spin the camera around where we see him from the front, and, uh, the person holding uh, holding the microphone that's been talking to the audience, uh, talks about uh, how, great Ultraman the mighty Crime Syndicate are, and how it's it's great for us to battle them, and we wind up seeing that he's sitting there with a uh, green ring. However, this is a very different green power ring. Power ring. Power ring, yeah, power ring. But uh, this power ring, um, it's more of the John Stewart flavor, because the previous power ring got dead during uh, one of the other series where they came to Earth-1 and tried to uh, take over the Justice League. So yeah, so this is a different power ring, and he's uh, just eating it up, like... Uh, Chowing down on these hamburger things and just loving the whole scenario because he's also very new to the part, uh, comparatively. Uh, anyhow, so, uh, from there, we <laughs> basically have Ultraman just freak out. Like, he really doesn't, he really doesn't care about any of these people. He's super, he's already mad. Anyway, he flies up in the air and he just starts torching dudes with his uh, heat vision. And off he flies up to the crime syndicate watchtower. And, uh, leaves Green Ring laughing, and he's just like, ah, it's nice! As he tears some more, eats some more chicken or whatever he's eating. Uh, from there, we cut to downtown Metropolis on Earth 3, and we see a boom tube open up, so be a giant flash of light, and out comes Amanda Waller, and her batch of the Suicide Squad. And this group, Suicide Squad, is very similar to the Future State group. Um, it's not exactly the same, but pretty close. I mean, we have Talon, uh, we have Match, so the Bizarro Superboy, and Etragon from another universe and then a version of Canary. So there's, it's, it's that same group almost. Um, anyway, as they come through, a man starts giving orders and, uh, we see Etragon mess with Match to where he freaks out bizarro style and he takes off and takes a daily planet, um, giant, the logo on the roof, the big bolt, I mean, what you call that? The globe. The big globe. There you go. The big globe on the earth and he tears it off and he's like, a waller takes the planet. And of course, in sort of broken speech because it's match. And, uh, Amanda basically stands there and starts giving demands of the planet. She announces that she's here with her suicide squad and, uh, sorry but not sorry, we don't come in peace. And, uh, from there, we, like, cut to, uh, a batch of the other, other suicide squad members taking out some of the local cops. And then we cut to Amanda standing in a herd of people just basically calling out Ultraman. Uh, we rejoin Ultraman, who's now standing up on the tower, uh, out in space, their version of the Watchtower. And, uh, Green Ring flies up and he's like, are you seeing this? Not uh, Green Ring, Power Ring. Flies up and he's like, are you seeing this? And he plays him a chunk of Amanda Waller standing in town, again, basically calling out Ultraman. And so, uh, we find out what he's actually watching, because we see through his set of, like, his, uh, his telescopic vision. What he's actually watching is inside the Owl Cave. And inside the owl cave, of course, is the owl, so the Earth 3 version of Batman. And he is in there with Donna Troy, Superwoman, the, uh, Earth 3 version of Wonder Woman. And the two of them are engaging in, you know, bedroom activities. And, uh, she knows that he's watching. She like, talks to him, like, third, third wall breaking style. While she has Batman tied up, or Owlman tied up. And all it does is infuriate him even more. It's a whole messed up love triangle the three of them have going on. It's it's really messed up. Anyhow, Power Ring's like, well, are you going to do anything about this Amanda Waller deal? He's like, you go take care of it. I'm busy. And so, off he flies to go visit Owlman. And so, uh Power Ring basically takes to going down the whoop-up on the Suicide Squad. And, uh, you know, just like any Green Lantern, he produces a lot of versions of rockets in himself and He's just down there to destroy everything, thinks it's gonna be no big deal. Well, in the process of fighting, like, he's doing pretty good. I mean, he's beaten kind of everyone. He makes a giant fish and smashes, uh, smashes match up. And, uh, you know, giant, uh, monster truck and runs over a bunch of the soldiers from, uh, from, uh, the suicide squad. It's not actual squad members, it's the soldiers man travels with. So it's not just them as a team, it's them and then a whole herd of soldiers. Uh, anyhow, so he in the process of doing all that, he's just messing everybody up, and now he's come down to where he's now faced up against the Alan and Amanda, and he makes this giant chainsaw, and he's like, "Is there any reason I shouldn't cut you up?" And she's like, "Oh, I'm not." He's like, "Are you? Are you? Did you really think this was gonna be a trap, lady?" She's like, "Oh, not for you." He's, like, "We just figured we'd beat you straight up." And he's like, "What are you talking about?" And then from there, we see behind him someone she ran with him that we didn't know she ran. Which was Black Hand, who basically rises up right behind him and puts his hand on his shoulder, and then drains all of his ability and power, because that's what Black Hand does. And he 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 basically depowers him completely. And in the process of doing that, of course, the guy wearing the ring starts freaking out because the way that the way the power ring works is it feeds on its host and feeds off their fear. So unlike the Green Lantern rings, which is fueled by um, the willpower that you use the ring yourself and the, your willpower lets you drive the ring. This is opposite and the ring feeds off your fear and lets itself do whatever it wants. So it basically uses you as like a, I don't know, a puppet. Anyhow, um, so from there we cut to the owl cave and, uh, owl man's in the process of putting on his boots and, uh, super one's in the process of, you know, readjusting her outfit and putting her cape on. And about that time, Smashing through the roof comes Ultraman, and he's just destroying everything. And he's so pissed. And of course that makes her super happy. She thinks it's the greatest thing ever, that he's come to wreck everything. And he basically nukes the Owlmobile, and uh, starts burning heat vision through the ground at Owlman. He's like, you can't do this, man. Like, what are you doing? All this is doing is making Superwoman super happy. She's like, oh, Clark finally does something. And uh she tells him that he can't kill Owlman, because that's it. that's hers. And, uh, from there, the screens in the Owl Cave turn back on, and, uh, Amanda Waller is now taking control of sending him the signal to the Owl Cave. She informs the, uh, crime syndicate that, uh, powering has been stopped, and she shows him, like, green, or, uh, him on his knees, basically being held by the, uh, black hand. And she, uh, she orders that, you know, she, that she's tired of waiting around, that they need to send somebody else. And, uh, Superwoman's like, ooh, respect. You need to go, you need to go take care of this. And, uh, Ultraman looks at Alaman and says, Alaman, go. And he orders him to go and take care of this Man of all their problem. And he's like, oh, you just blew up my car. Like, what? I don't want to go. And, well, of course, he reluctantly goes anyway because Ultraman would just kill him. It, that's all, I mean, they're all really evil, bad. I mean, Earth 3 is the evil Earth, right? Reverse everybody. I probably should have started with that in case you guys didn't know. Earth 3 is full of the Crime Syndicate, which is the evil Justice League. So we have evil Superman, who is Ultraman. Evil Batman, who is the Owl. Evil evil Wonder Woman, who is Superwoman. Uh, we used to have Johnny Quick, but he's dead. He had died also. Uh We have Power Ring, which is basically evil Green Lantern. Um So yeah, it's a reverse version of everything. They're all evil, and... Yeah, it's crazy. Anyway...
2: I think the original Power Man died, too. It's... There was, like, an original Power Woman, and then there was, like, this new one that, that's Donna Troy. There's, there was two of them.
1: The other one is still on Earth-1, or on Earth-Prime. So she's still on our Earth. Um, she got... Last time we saw her during Forever Evil, we found out she was pregnant with either Owlman or Ultraman's kid. Um, by the end of it, we found out the truth was that she was actually pregnant with Lex Luthor Shazam's kid. And uh, when these... Characters all got sent back to their own world or escaped to their own world. She didn't really go, but she also was carrying the Lex Luthor that has Shazam powers kid, which made Ultraman even not more happy. So this scenario is like the same scenario, but with the other girl, and she behaves basically the same, but her haircuts short, and it's Donna instead of Diana. So it's 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 different, but it's same.
2: I thought the Lex Luthor of Earth three was good.
1: When you say good or bad, I mean, he's fighting the crime syndicate, so he's kind of good, but he has the power of Shazam in that world, and he's not really good either. I mean, none of them are really good. Even ones that are sort of good aren't really
2: good. Oh, I thought that the Luther that was fighting the crime syndicate was the good one.
1: He's, a uh, when he says, um, oh, how does he say it backwards? It's like Shazam backwards. He basically turns into evil Shazam. But when it comes to good and evil, I mean, since he is fighting the crime syndicate, he's kind of good, but he's still luther Anyway, uh, so we, we join the owl flying the, uh, owl wing. So a giant owl bat wing, basically. Just trashing all these other soldiers, and he's like, so like, just crazy about how he's, he's shooting rockets and lasers and, just taking everybody out, and he comes up across against the siren, and he's like, oh, you're you're going to bring me down? Cool. I'll just crash it into you. And so he flies the, his ship straight into her and is in the process of getting ready to ram her and destroy and kill her, and that's when Match comes up out of the ground. He's like, hmm, Earth Center too hot on Earth 3, and he uppercuts the ship and destroys it. Owlman, of course, lives, um, but now he's also at the beck and heel of Amanda Waller. From there we cut back to Superman and or Ultraman and Superwoman, and uh she's just chastising him more the same thing like and he's warning her you're gonna push me too far someday and she's like oh I keep trying and uh from there like the two of them sort of square off for a second until Amanda comes back on the owl computers and tells them that uh it's Amanda Waller bearing more bad news Um your owl man crashed and burned. And, uh, she has him on his knees and cuffs and his face is all beat up like he's been punched a bunch. And he's like, do you know, w- this one doesn't have powers. He doesn't do anything. And she's like, I was surprised. And, uh, Superwoman, of course, responds with, uh, don't hurry him. She's yelling at the screen like that one's mine. And that just makes Ultraman even more mad. From there, we cut to a totally different scenario. Uh, we join Ambush Bug. Who's in the process of fighting a giant Clayface monster.
2: It's just another, another multiverse version of Clayface.
1: Right. And this, this is the other group of the Suicide Squad. So it turns out part, part way through the previous issue of Suicide Squad, Rick Flagg has turned against Amanda Waller and he's been running around deactivating people's chips. Um, so as a thing, he's basically made his own Suicide Squad to rebel against Amanda Waller. And of course, Manda found out because she's ahead of everybody every step of the way, and has dropped them on this other planet, uh, in face of this clay monster monster. Um, so we, as far as the group who we have over here, we have Ambush Bug, who basically Deadpool's it up. He plays with the fourth wall. He's he's a lot like Deadpool. Um, Peacekeepers here, Cheetah, Bloodsport. So Edward another character who I called something different earlier, which was not right because it is Bloodsport. That's the right name. And, uh, detachable kid. Um, they're, so they're all here and they're trying to fight this monster, right? Oh, and, uh, I think it's Monel that's with them.
2: Yeah, it looks like Monel to me. I don't know, but it looked like him.
1: I think that's who that is. Anyways, he uses cold breath against it and, like, they're kind of doing okay, but they're not doing good. Like, it's wrecking them. And so they call for help and then that brings up, uh, Rodriguez, who's one of the scientist ladies who has been helping a man of basically inject people with. Brain blow you up bombs, and she's been developing this chemical that's supposed to give you powers or change your abilities. And uh, as they're all losing to this battle, she decides, "Well, I, if I'm going to help you. I have to. I have to do this." So she injects herself with the chemical, and her body basically starts—I don't know—like disintegrating, but not in a way that's painful. It's like she's in control of it. Um, then we rejo- we rejoin the battle. Um, Clayface has now got. Peacekeeper in one hand, and he's just taking bullets all over, and it doesn't do anything to him, because Clayface. And, uh, as he's getting ready to munch down on the, on, the, on the troops, all of a sudden he starts basically turning liquefied, and uh, he drops Peacekeeper, and he's, he starts screaming, and we see Cheetah come flying off, and she scratches him, and she's like, oh. And as he's melting down, he basically starts flattening out. And they're all like, what is going on? It feels like we're Feels like we're losing. He's like, Yep, I think we're losing, but none of them can seem to understand why. From there we cut back to our previous scenario. Uh we rejoin Ultraman and Superwoman. And uh they have decided to go down and meet Amanda Waller. And so Amanda's staying there with Match and uh the Talon, and the two of them are flying at him like on an ultrasonic speed, they come down and take him out, and uh Amanda says, Wait for it. And as they're flying down um well, Superwoman's super pissed because she's singing about Owl Man. And Ultraman's already mad because he's mad at her. So neither one of them see Match coming. And he jumps up and grabs a hold of the Superwoman. He's like, Mia, Match Superwoman. And he smashes her into a giant building. And they basically, they start fighting. And she's, she's actually kind of like impressed, like for a second about it. She's like, Oh, this is going to be fun. I finally get to whoop up on one of you. And, uh, from there, he, Ultra, we join Ultraman and he's, He's just basically shooting beams at everyone. And he's like, you want Ultraman, lady? You got me. And so he just heat visions the crap out of everything. It kind of frees Owlman, and we see uh, Power Ring go flying, too. And the man is like, oops, you missed me again. I'm over here. And he's like, kind of burned himself out, because he went super hard with the beams. And she's like, I suppose I could die. But then it wouldn't have been enough, and that's why I went to all this trouble. So, she basically has managed to move herself super lightning speed, which is confusing because Amanda Waller first doesn't have super speed. Second, she isn't able to do what she appears to be doing. And Ultraman's like freaking out because he keeps trying to grab her, and she just keeps moving. Well, I mean, we find out the truth is she's being moved by somebody else. It's Donnie Quick, which uh, he's supposed to be dead. But Ultraman grabs him by the throat, and uh he's like, Johnny, quick, how? It doesn't make any sense. We buried you long ago. He's like, it does, it will. Just hear her out. And so he convinces Ultraman basically to listen to Amanda. Uh, we rejoin the group who's on Earth Zero. That's where they were fighting the, uh, the uh, Clayface monster at. And uh, we're the group we're with right now is far away from the battle, and they're watching it happen. And this is where Ambushbug was at when he was giving us the commentary earlier. And uh, the three of them are watching the fight, and eventually part of the sand comes to them. And in the process of all this, we start seeing the ground that they're standing on start sucking out from underneath them, and they sort of freak out for a second. And we find out that the doctor, the injection she gave herself basically turned herself into a, a version of Clayface that's able to control sand. And so the whole time he was sort of melting down, she was drawing away from him, like pulling sand away from him to be able to control it herself. So she makes herself a giant version of herself and then basically takes to just dissolving him. And uh, that frees the Suicide Squad, or this group of Suicide Squad. And uh, then we return to Earth-3, and now we have Ultraman having a conversation with Amanda while Superwoman still fights Match. Anyway, as, as they're talking, she's like, "This will always be your world, old man, but be a God, not a king." And he's like, "If I am a god, what can what can you do for me that I can't do for myself?" And at that point, she's like, "Well, headaches and headaches and distractions are gone, like I said, and in the process of this, we wind up seeing that the talon is fighting Owlman. and she's like, Well, let's see this angle." Let me pull the trigger for you, the trigger you can't pull. I'm very good at it. And she snaps her fingers and we see the Talon lift Owlman up, Bane style, and bring Owlman down on his back, full on like, it's Bane. Break, he breaks the, breaks the Owlman's back. And she says, we are all tiny little ants to you. Always have been, always will be. Let me worry about the scurrying.
2: Like, ants?
1: Yeah, everybody running away from him. And he smiles, and we return to Earth Zero. Now, back over on Earth Zero, um, they're all trying to regroup themselves. Rick Flagg's basically trying to get the group to work with him to stop Amanda Waller. And so he basically rallies them all up to go and fight, because the next place they're going to go is Earth Three. And as they go through their boom tube, it opens up and we find Amanda Waller waiting for them. Except now, Amanda's not just there with a couple of her Suicide Squad people... She's there with Ultraman and Match and Power Ring and Black Hand and the Talon now wearing Owlman's cape and cowl. And she's like, what should I call my new team? And we just see a shot of Rick Flag's face like dumbfounded. That's where the book ends. So it reveals a new team that's a mix of Earth-3 baddies and Suicide Squad baddies pretty crazy about the Owlman thing. Like, it's it's wild. Uh, as far as, like, an event, I mean, it's been pretty cool for, you know, a crazy crossover thing. At least the start of it's really cool. I mean, score-wise, it is a giant book, and it's got a lot of cool art in it. It's got some pretty interesting stuff with Owlman, and pretty interesting stuff with uh, with all the stuff with Match, and we haven't seen Match in Cash forever. And, like, the stuff with the Suicide, the second Suicide Squad with damage bug and stuff, is a little chaotic, but, I mean, it's interesting, so... I don't know, score wise, I guess I'd give it a three. Like, it's a pretty cool kickoff. Um, I, I already read Suicide Squad, so that's not that big a deal as far as the crossover is concerned. I want to say it crosses over though into, I think Teen Titans, and I can't remember what the other book is. Anyway, there's three other books it crosses over into. Flash is the last one. So it's, uh, the kickoff book, which is this one. Then Suicide Squad 13. Then, Teen Titans Academy and then Flash. And then and then there's a, the part two book. So it's five issues total by the time it's over. Anyway, first issue, like I said, I give it a three. I and mean, it's entertaining. I like all those evil versions of the Dress Justice League. They're just so twisted and like fun. Um, yeah, that's what I got. I like the art. I mean, it is a whole lot of different artists, but pretty cool. You, you gotta go score for that book there, Josh.
2: See, I give the, I give it like a two and a half. I mean, like the art. Some of the art's really fantastic on a few pages. Like, wow, this is really good. Like, I wish this artist was through the whole thing. And some of it, I was like, that just really trash. And I don't, and I hate doing that. I hate, like, trash on artists because I'm not a comic artist, so I can't, like, I don't know what they have to go through. But sometimes it's just really, like, not good to me. It's just, like, messy and kind of, like, I don't know what it is. But anyway, some of these characters, I have no idea who they were, so it's kind of hard for me to follow. I mean, I was like, I don't know who that is. I mean, I get the basics, basic story. Right. But, I mean, you know. It, it, and the cover was very um, misleading to me because like two of the characters that are on the cover aren't in the book at all. So,
1: oh well, yeah, Nightwing's not in there at all, is he? And Connor? Because yeah. that's definitely Nightwing in the middle. Uh-huh. He's well, maybe, definitely maybe not in the book. Maybe because
2: the Titans are part of the crossover, but they're like not. They have nothing to do with this this issue at all. So that's why I was like, oh, that's weird.
1: Right. Well, with the crossing over the other two books, uh, I'm assuming that the Titans Academy one they have to be in. That's probably why he's on the cover. Chances are this cover connects to the other cover and might make more sense then. Ah, uh, I guess so. I don't remember if they were connecting covers or not. I can't really remember that. But the way that the cover's designed sort of looks like a connecting cover. So. But yeah, the Titans Academy connects to it. Nightwing's in Titans Academy is one of the teachers, so. By then I'd have to assume he's in there, but that book's not out yet, so. I can't be 100%, but I'm going to say that's why.
2: I mean, the story's interesting. I mean, the art. Some of it's really good, some of it's like pretty rough, but uh, so overall I get it like two and a half. Curious, cool. cur- curious to see where it goes, so. Yeah. But before we move on, um, I did a little bit of research and I can see where you would think that he might be kind of a bad guy, but um, he, it's because in the Forever Evil storyline or whatever, when he. We're like,
1: talking Lex Luthor?
2: Yeah. Okay. Like Lex Luthor from Earth 3. Is the only hero from this is from DC fandom.com. Um, Alexander Luther was one of the heroes of Earth 3 and was the crime syndicate's most formidable and greatest enemy. He had the ability to absorb the powers of any superpowered being that he killed through the lightning of Mazas. So, and
1: so then Suzanne power.
2: Yeah, so basically what it is is like because that Earth is so messed up. I mean, if he was a Marvel Universe character, he would for sure be a hero, because heroes in the Marvel Universe kill people all the time. But, like, he's not killing civilians and doing things, like, like angrily. Like he just wants to destroy and take down the crime syndicate. And so right. I think that coming out of that, like, uncovering his mouth and him, like, you know, whooping up a Martian Manhunter and whoever else is probably because he, all the superheroes he knows are all bad guys. I guess I can see that. Oh, oh, superpowered beings. I wouldn't say superheroes. Superpowered oh, yeah. beings. So, like, so then he just, he... But yeah, ultimately, he's the hero for that that universe, that Earth.
1: Okay, I, I guess see more so Punisher style. He's good, but he's
2: not. Well, I mean, not even Punisher style. Is like that Earth is so messed up. Right. He wants to, to kill those people because, like, I think he still likes Luther, but also like he is the lone hero. And his like I older s- stories that I've read, like multiple older stories. He's the one like saving civilians and doing that kind of thing and trying to take down. But like,
1: right? The little bit of experience I have with him outside of well, just general information would be in the stuff from Forever Evil. Forever Evil, I never really saw him as a good guy, but I guess at the end of the day, by the time they were all fighting the crime syndicate, when he first shows up, yeah, he whoops Sinestro and he whoops uh, Martian Manhunter, and it does not seem like he's good, but I guess since he's after the crime syndicate anyway, then technically he's good. Okay, I can see that. Okay. I'll default to that answer. It's good. Uh, okay, so after all the Warfare 3 stuff, want to move on to uh, Slumber from Image Comics?
2: Yep, Slumber from Image Comics. Uh, it's written by Tyler Burton Smith and illustrated by Vanessa Cardinale. And um, this book picks up in Queens, New York, and there are a bunch of cops outside of a residence and the main female detective... A police car shows up and there's obviously another detective who's wearing his boxer shorts and a bathrobe and he's, um, has a sandwich. And, um, the female detective says, uh, Detective Finch, not exactly dressed to impress. And he's like, your guy said we were in a hurry. And she's like, Oh, you had time to, oh, grab a burrito, not a sandwich. He's like, Hey, I work better with food. And this guy is, this other detective in his pajamas is, um, he's been suspended. And so she, like the main, like her his boss basically is like, "Yeah, you're still suspended, but uh, so this is on the download. Nobody knows that you're here, but she needs his help because he's I guess familiar with like pretty crazy things, and uh what they're doing is uh it's the seventh death in a series of killings called the Sleepwalker killings, and they're all seven like just, this one just like all the six before it, the murderers are found on site. And they don't remember having shown up to, to a random residence or killing the person. And there's a bunch of, uh, crazy right, like drawings and writings and, uh, written in blood. And, um, one of the big things that, that's common in all of them, it says, I seek the dream eater. So the guy starts going through the woman's purse and finds a card that says Stetson dream. I think it says dream healer, but he has his thumb over it. Right. You can't really read what the card says. And he's like, have you checked into this yet? And the female's just like, uh, yeah, the name keeps, that name keeps coming up. You want me to arrest her? And he's just like, no, let's do some more research before. Let me ask around, to see what's going on. Um, and then he flashed to, like a, it's, it's a, you know, it's a, a random build. It just shows like another shot of the city, but it, um, it's the feet. It's a, this doctor that they're looking for. Um, or this, I guess it's not really a doctor that this, uh, what do they call her? Stetson. Right. That's it's just a one uh, one name. And it's it's some sort of like computer like slash laboratory, and um there's a man laying on a like a medical bed with like a bunch of wires in his head, and a guy at the computers, and then it's a random red door just like in the middle of the floor with a bunch of wires wires hooked up to it, and uh the guy on the computers is like, are you ready for entry in three, two, and one? And this woman, is her dialogue over the top of it is like, well, the struggle begins the second they close their eyes to fight and repress the darkness within. If that were true, then I'd be... or They call this the city that sleeps. If that were true, then I'd be out of business. But sometimes the darkness fights back, and that's when they hire me. So this woman's basically hired and has figured out a way to go into people's nightmares and kill whatever is the nightmare. And this guy specifically hired her. He is in... a. Like an amusement park, but it's a real creepy dream, nightmare amusement park. And there's a crazy, like, um, pedophile Carney chasing after him, basically. And it's just like, hey, it's tickle time. And it's just like really creepy and weird, chasing him around. And, uh, he like runs into a building and it's all crazy, uh, crazy MC Escher, like different points of perspective, like stairwells going all different directions. And, uh, he's, He's like, hello? Hello? Is anybody there? And then he's here's tickle time. And he runs, he's running, he runs into his grandma. And he's like, Grandma, I, I was, and he's like, don't worry, little lamb, you're safe here. Everybody's waiting to make a wish. And he gets ready to blow out the wish. And then his grandma turns into like a tickle, crazy carny, too. And, um, the well, woman, the whole time,
1: like his head is like normal. Yeah, he's,
2: he's an, it's his adult head, but it's a little kid body. Yeah. And, and has a birthday,
1: birthday hat on it.
2: And all of a sudden, like out of the left, of, the, out of the right of the panel, the shotgun appears and blows the, the thing's head off. And, uh, she's standing there with like, it looks like he, what looks like her partner. And, um, she's like, what was I going to say to this guy? And she's like, I think it was tickle this. And he's like, okay, I nailed it. And the guy, the guy that's the dream, the little, the little kid guy is like, did you just, he's like, yeah, I killed that carny, pe- like, pe- pedo. Namor's gone. Sign here, please. He's like, I, I don't understand. He's like, you don't got to understand. You just got to sign. And then like the elf guy that's her partner, like he's got like a sword on his back and he's like carrying like limbs, like, like, like well, he's body, pre- body limbs. Process of eating a guy's leg. Well, no, not yet. Oh, you that's don't, sexy. you do yeah. Okay. He's just has a backpack on with like a leg sticking out of it. And he's like, we talked about this, Detson, rule 32, f- inform the client. And he's like, all right. Larry, you're dreaming. You hired us to enter your dreams. Take care of Mr. Tittlefingers over there. They say, in, um if life hands you lemons, make lemonade. That may be true in waking life, but in in here, we're the hand. We just remove the lemon. And, like, the kid man's just, like, what, eyes wide. Like, I don't know what's going on. He's like, yeah, that, that doesn't make sense, is what her partner says. And he's like, it does so. And they started kind of an argument about, like, lemons and, like, you know, another thing dream thing walks up it's like if you take a lemon you should probably replace it with a comparable fruit and so she shoots that thing and, th- and then like the the kid man's like now i just kind of want lemonade and then she looks over and her partner is like eat- chewing on a leg and he's like well yeah like i i survive on human flesh so what do you want me to do and uh she's like did you find that on a living person and then all of a sudden out the- of like, I know where this big creepy rabbit with like all the same drawings that were f- like found written in blood at the crime scene. Um, but it has like overalls on and like one of its eyes is out. It's got like, like decomposing skin. Maybe it could be it's the fluff from the inside. I don't know, but one of the ears is chewed off. It's like, you're not welcome here. Leave this place, dream eater. And, uh, and she's like, relax, thumper. I'm on my way out. And, uh, then she sees the symbols. And she's like, it can't be a coincidence. She's been here. The one who took everything from me. Valkyra, the Shadow Walker. She marked you. Where is she? And, uh, her partner says, like, they're turning on us, Stetson. We gotta go. And, uh, she's like, he knows something. I'm not leaving till his, this a-hole talks. I was like, here comes the fun part. Um, Jing readings are spiking. What's going on in there? And he's like, oh, the usual. Uh, she's losing it. Uh, write be a deer and collect Stetson, will you? And he's like, I'm on it. And so he pulls out his sweet sword and walks up and just starts, like, slicing things up to save her. They just keep coming, keep coming, and keep coming. And she's like, let me go. I'm not finished. I got to get to him. I got to get to him. Because there's all these other things trying to attack her, and they're protecting the rabbit. And, uh, and they run through the door and shut it and shut it down. And they, that big red door shoots back into the floor. And the guy wakes up and, uh. Well, she, they come out and they're all, they're all bloody and crazy. Like, they were able to carry all that disgusting with them back through the door. And, uh, Stetson's like, that, that was Valkyrie's mark. He, he's seen her. We got to go back in. And her partner now is like, Rule 17, promptly exit the dreamscape when the case is closed. You want to get yourself killed? Do it off the clock. And then the guy starts to wake up and, uh, he's like, what happened? It's, is, is it done? He's like, we got him. Nightmare's gone. You're going to sleep like a baby. He's like, my head's kill me. You didn't mess up anything with anything else in there, right? And they're like, uh, <laughs> nope, squeaky clean. And, uh, so it's, it's obviously kind of weird because, like, her partner's an elf outside in the living too. So I don't know where he came from because it doesn't seem like in any other scenes before this that, like, yeah, he just
1: shows up in the brain. I'm uh, not really the, sure how that works either.
2: He's like, he's got, he's an off color too. He's like a gray compared, or grayish, greenish blue, depends, like, the on the panel, but, uh, and so she go see they call me a dream detective, a nightmare hunter. The dark stuff that haunts your dreams Um I make it go all the way permanently. With a gig like this, suffice it to say, I've seen some things. Dark truths, buried secrets, the things nobody's meant to see. And then she's like, Enough, stop talking. I'm like fine. So she's like talking to herself. And uh and then they go to like it, it flashes to the interrogation room of the guy the guy that they found that had murdered the the most recent victim he's like I, I fell asleep in my own bed I swear when I woke up I was in somebody else's house with the body with the knife in my hand it's like something infected me took over my body and uh the guy in the bath the detective in the bath bathroom uh, says that well that's that's what the others say cute story you guys all rehearse it together you in some sort of cult then his his boss walks up and hands him a a Pulls out a, a picture of, of the dream eater, I guess, and says, "Um, asks if, if you know, the the, ki- the killer guy, who, if he knows who she is. And they're like, I, I don't know who that is. I just, and then it, then he passes out. And they're like, what the heck? And then, like, the, the murderer guy, like, all of a sudden comes alive and looks like a crazy nightmare version of him. And he's just, like, speaking in a different, like, tone and, like. The dialogue box has changed like a, a crazy pink color, and they're like, "Daryl's taking a nap. His body's no longer used to me, but yours will be." Breaks the handcuffs and uh, touches the pajama detective Finch on the face, and it's like starts burning. He's like, "Ah, burns! Get him off!" And um, the the boss detective like hits the the thing with a chair, knocks the guy out, and he goes back to normal. And he's like, "What? What? What was that? What?" And like, she's like, "Jesus, Finch, are you okay?" He's like, "I don't know. I can't see straight. The, the heck did it do to me?" And then, like in his head, it says the fight against the darkness within, and uh, and he's got like a handprint on his face where the thing touched him, like three red lines. And then it goes to uh what's probably, um, see, it's like the red lines on the rabbit's
1: face. Yeah, that's the what. Big I stuffed rabbit. Maybe
2: I mean those are like those are like those markings have like definition to them. There's like actual like right like, symbols, and there's not three of them. There's just like there's four. But like, at the beginning, when they first find him written on the wall, there's four as well. So I, I don't know, cause there's a, well, there are four on his face, I guess. So, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe that's what it is. I'm not sure. It would make more sense if it was. And then it's, uh, goes back to the, uh, dream detectives, basically. It's like, we like to think it ends the moment we open our eyes, turn on the lights, but that's just when we stop seeing it. You spend enough time down here, you learn to see in the dark. You spend too much time here, you learn to live in it, and then it's like you, you see like an, another nightmare of a little girl drawing on a bunch of stuff and, uh those same symbols. It's a uh, Stetson, and she's like, I, "I'm not. I'm, am I awake? Am I not awake?" And then she jumps up with her gun and pulls it on some old lady sitting in a chair, and uh, the lady's like, "Oh, Jesus, Mary, Joseph," and she's like, "Oh, I'm with a client. Dang it." She's like, "Sorry, um, that was a test." Uh, shut up. And she, the old lady's like, what? She's like, nothing. This is all part of the process. Now that you're scared, crapless, you're in the perfect mindset to tell me more about this reoccurring nightmare. And she's like, right, well, that's when the dream kitchen goes spooky and my grandson turns into this horrible devil chef and says, the soup of the day is you. And Stetson goes, so you, you want devil, you want, so you want devil chef gone? She's like, oh no, I couldn't possibly use my grandson. She's like, oh, don't worry, Agnes. We get cases like this all the time. And so they go in there and, it's like the devil chef, and they're like holding his face on the on the burner and saying, "And you're gonna be nice to your effing grandma, you ungrateful guy." There's all sorts of swearing in this book, so obviously if if swearing not okay, don't let don't read it. Right. Um. And then she goes, "The cases are pretty much all the same. It's like a dream version, and then it just goes through a bunch of other ones. Like it's a dream version of the Beatles, but they're zombies, and then she, her and her." Elf buddy, like fighting zombie beetles, like, and they're in their, uh, Sergeant Pepper's outfits. And then another guy's like, and then the spider turkeys attack. And there's like these, (laughs) so they're killing all these spider turkeys. And then it's like, and then some ladies, uh, and then evil goblin king. And she's like holding, a her stetson's holding a revolver to like the goblin king from Labyrinth. And like, the truth is they're the ones helping me. But then it, then she starts making out in a, Sleeps with the uh, Goblin King, right. which is, like, so crazy. <laughs> and then she's standing looking out over the city, and she's, like, offering glimmer, offering me glimmers of hope. Hope that she's still out there, that this isn't all for nothing. There's a- another lady, another client, says, it- it's this creepy bunny mascot with scars across its chest. And then Setson's like, all right, that's what I was looking for. And she's, like, hope that if I dig deep enough, I can find her. I don't know who the Hers- I
1: She's hunting whoever's been doing these murders, I think, and I think yeah. it might be a sister or something.
2: It, yeah, I don't know if it's, like, maybe something happened to her sister, maybe, or somebody that she loved and that this thing took it. I'm not sure, but it's a... Yeah,
1: you know, that one flashback of hers when she was a, a kid before she pulls the gong the old lady. Or her mom, maybe. Maybe. I mean, there's not enough information in the first book to know that. But because it's a miniseries, I mean, that's what we'll get as we go, I'm sure, but... But yeah, the first issue is not, there's not clear enough who we're talking about.
2: And so she's in the, uh, she's in the dream now with, with the, with the weird rabbit, uh, bunny mascot thing. She's like, Valkyra, she marked you. Show me what she looks like. Start drawing. And she's got a shotgun held to its face. And she's like, sometimes a glimmer is all you need. And then, uh, later on, it's, it's back to Detective Finch and he's laying in bed and he's like next to, it looks like maybe his wife or maybe that boss detective. Maybe. Potentially. I don't, I don't know because um, 'cause it's got red hair just like the boss detective. It does. But then he's in a nightmare and he's like, What the heck? And he's like, No, this can't be happening and um he sees like what looks like himself um with like some sort of like something coming out of its his his like he's looking at it and a uh, something coming out of its stomach. And then out of out of the crazy like trees darkness this weird black shadow woman with red eyes comes out and says, We meet again, detective and he's like, don't move. He's like, poetic, isn't it? The last time we spoke, you thought I was your prisoner. Now you'll become mine. And it, like, it, the weird shadow lady, like, goes and, like, puts itself inside of his, inside of him, like, goes in his mouth, his eyes, his ears. Is like, I seek the dream eater. Take me to her. And he's like, not real. Gotta wake up. Wake up. And he wakes up. And he's like, oh, no. And uh then it flashes back to uh, Stetson, and she's, Looking at a picture of, like, her mom carrying her on her back. Or maybe it's her daughter. Maybe it's her with her daughter on the back. That's what it is. So it's, like, her little girl. Right. And she's, like, the first step to facing your fears, give your fears a face. And then she has this gigantic detective board. And, like, all these things point to this face. This, like, dark shadow face with the red eyes. And she's, like, and now you've got one, and I'm coming for you. And then he goes back to Finch, and he's standing in that random house. Co- um, Covering in blood? Which looks like the old man that just, like, the guy that just had his dream fixed with, like, with the crazy, like, t- like tickle, like, pedo Carney Right. And he's dead. And all the symbols are all drawn all over. And it's just like, let's just hope I, I find you. He's like, and he's standing in there by himself. He's like, what have I done? And he's like, she used that, the pajama detective Finch to go murder, to try to find her. Right. Cause he, they can't find her. And this thing wants to kill her. So anyway, that's slumber. Um, I know it's kind of wacky. Uh, it's about dreams and fighting nightmares. And, um, the arts are really psychedelic in some areas. Really cool. Um, I like the pink crazy that it uses for like the, the, the evil. Like the, it's kind of a cool color. To, it's like, really bright and vibrant. Um, I thought it was fantastic. The art's a little messy at times. I think if there's any like negative on the book, it's, it's, it gets a little messy, but I think it's supposed to be that way. Cause it like, it doesn't like skew what's really going on. I think some of the dreams are really, the, the nightmares that they go into to fight are really hilarious.
1: Oh, the extra ones, yeah. With the turkey, turkey spiders, hilarious. The Beatles thing. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty.
2: And like her going in to like destroy like the, the Goblin King, like from Labyrinth, like this lady's, that this lady's having nightmares about. She's like, Oh, you're David Bowie. And then they hook up. I thought that was hilarious. It's just one of those random books that kind of falls in your lap and you're like, Oh, this, you don't know if it's going to be good or not. And then it ends up being fantastic. So, um, I give it a solid four and a half. I thought it was a really, really well done book. It flowed. The flow of the book was really solid. Um, it's like a classic, like detective story, but like supernatural. And so I'm curious to see, like, is the elf guy that she pulled brings back? Is that somebody that she found in there that became a friend of hers? Um, I don't know. There's like a lot of questions I have, a lot of good questions. So,
1: yeah, score wise, I, I give it four. Also, like, the art's not generally what I like, but because of the style of book it is, I like it for what the for what the book is, and like all the stuff. It's just, some of it's so funny. And I don't know if it's intentionally funny or just funny because it's so
2: weird. No, I think it's supposed to be funny. Yeah, it's supposed to
1: be. I mean, whoever thought about turkey spiders, that's crazy. Uh, But, yeah, the elf guy, because we don't see him any before that and we just find him in the dream, I assume he's a character she met in the dream. And, like, who's really running this detective agency? Because he reads her all the rules as if he, he knows the handbook and she's just, like, wild. So I kind of wonder if maybe it's a mix of him being from the other side.
2: Yeah, possibly. So
1: I, mean, I don't know if it... Th- at the that's, end of the day, that's what
2: I kind of gathered from it, because like... Right.
1: I mean, at the end of it, it doesn't really matter, but as far as the thing, I assume that if we're getting more backstory on him, it'll probably be in the next couple issues. Uh, but yeah, like, it's so wild, it's very, uh I don't know, it's kind of like, so Thank Lethal Weapon... Like, Mel Gibson's supposed to be the off the rocker type, and then Danny Glover is the by the book type, and that's kind of what they're like.
2: Well, it's like anybody cop thing. Right. Like, yeah,
1: anything. Yeah.
2: I mean, is, I mean, yeah, you can't really like pin it down. It's no. Like, it's just like style-wise,
1: it's, like, it's, it's just like what all of them are. But it's really fun, and she's so funny. The whole thing talking about the lemons is like, you can see she had a path. That path doesn't make any sense. But it, yeah, it's funny. Um, yeah, I give it a four also. It's a fun book. I think, uh, I could see this concept turn into, like, a show or a movie pretty easy. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, like, I totally could.
2: I'd give it a four and a half, though, not a four.
1: Yeah, that's fine.
2: But you said four also. Oh, did I? So I was like, I'm, okay. just wanna, I just want yeah, yeah.
1: well, no, to I'm not reiterate that that I am not taking your half away, you're good. Yeah, I'll take good. My,
2: put my half back up there.
1: I'm not, I'm not taking your half away, it's fine.
2: So I don't give that high ratings very often, so... No,
1: it's fine. Yeah, it's the thing I could see is turn into a show pretty easy, so, I mean, if anybody from Netflix is listening, here you go. Cause well, it'd be, be an great. image.
2: I mean, I mean, I mean. There's a bunch of image properties that have been turned into shows. Oh yeah, and there's still some more, aren't a whole there? Bunch of
1: the Mark Millar stuff has been? Yeah. Yeah, like they've already done deals with different groups over there. And just this was, I I could see it be a show pretty easy. Like even an ongoing show, even if there's one main bad guy, you'd still. This this concept is such a was cool Umbrella concept. Academy
2: Dark Horse. Which one? Umbrella Academy or was yeah, it image Dark
1: Horse. One? Umbrella Academy's Dark Horse. Um supposed to be getting a third season, still. Yeah, Umbrella Academy's Dark Horse, image properties, I mean if you go with Jupiter's legacy was Mark Millar. Invincible. Invincible is on Amazon though. But still, Amazon would yeah, be a good so place the boys. Too. Also, yeah, but it's a uh, dynamite. So oh. Piece-wise, I mean there's other things out there in the world that have been turned into stuff, so it's not like it's the only one by any means. I mean The Walking Dead's probably the biggest one, it's AMC. So, I mean, yeah. there's plenty of other avenues, just as far as a style of thing, I could just easily see it be a show.
2: So, yeah, I agree.
1: I think that'd be really cool. Because it's just a fun concept, like, the whole idea of it's crazy.
2: And maybe that's what the new thing is for comic, like, creators, well, independent ones that can, like, there's do a f- mini-series that can be turned into a show real easy. Right. Because story- what it is is, like, they're just taking these properties and they have a storyboard already for us, so they're like, hey, this is our idea. Read it right and see where we can go with it. Yeah,
1: you know, there's definitely some stuff that's that way. I mean, not to mention Mark Millar again, but a lot of Mark Millar's stuff is designed in a way that's like built as a test pilot for a show. It really is, which is why he does mostly miniseries of everything. Not that that stuff's bad. I mean, majority of it's good, but like Sharky the Bounty Hunter is supposed to be getting a show. And he made a deal with Netflix. I don't know, a couple years ago now, that anything done through Millarverse. They have first option ad, and that's why all of his books have the Netflix ad on the back of them. So whatever deal he made with them is a, is an exclusive for his properties. Save for the stuff that already exists, like Kingsman and Kick Ass and, um, wanted. Like those are all things prior to that. So they
2: probably all stream on Netflix.
1: I'd be surprised if they didn't. Yeah. I don't, I don't think any of them made by a company wouldn't, that wouldn't have that happen. Right. But yeah, when it comes to properties, I mean, that's what the dude sort of does now. Um, we'll see. From there, we'll move on to Wolverine Patch, uh, from Marvel Comics. This is issue number one. This guy's written by, uh, world famous Larry Hama. If you call him that, I'd call him that. I'd call him that. Um, he has
2: his own action figure. He does. You know I mean? <laughs> uh,
1: he's, he's written a handful of Wolverine books and a bunch of other stuff, but most notably, he's the, he's the G.I. Joe writer. for All your file cards and G.I. Joe comics from Marvel and even the, the continuing Real American Hero line, he writes. Um, so yeah, Larry Ham is writing it, and uh the artist on it is Andrea DeVito. And the book... So this thing takes place back during the time of Wolverine's first original series when he was running around as the Patch character. Um, and the whole reason that is that uh, at the time, the world thought the X-Men were dead, and so to disguise who Wolverine was, they put an eye patch on him and they took him out of his uniforms, the yellow and blue and the yellow and the brown. He didn't wear any of those uniforms during that time at all. He mostly wore like a like a black wife beater and like normal pants and gloves and anyway, Frank Miller wrote back to that stuff and the whole reason he was incognito as it was, was to uh not alert the world
2: to the X Men being alive. So that was what the persona was about. It was also, it was also Mar- uh, Marvel's way of making fun of like the ridiculousness of Clark Kent just putting on a pair of glasses and nobody notices him, because Wolverine's so noticeable, and all he got to do is put an eye patch on him. Oh, yeah? Like, really? Yeah,
1: he didn't even change his hair, really. In this, his hair is a little bit different, but no, in regular books, it's not different at all. He's he's
2: not, it's not any different. He looks literally. little different. He's got
1: it combed back. I mean, I'll give you, it's, it's just brushed down in the book.
2: It's just shorter there, dude. Like, the, his hair's either short or long, but it's always the same. It's like... Oh.
1: Regardless, he still looks like Wolverine. Yeah, there's like, nothing different, different about it. It doesn't change anything. Anyway, when the book first starts, we start with this monkey screeching in a cage. And uh there's a little bit of a, uh, I don't know, I guess a setup page that tells you that they're, they're in the highlands of Matropor. And uh we've pulled back to see that there's a whole room full of caged monkeys. And uh we got a voice over there that says, Ah, oh, something's spooking the monkeys again. He's gonna be, better wake up, uh, san son. Let him know that everything's going crazy. They've caught wind of something they don't like in the woods. And we jump outside and we see there's two of these two, uh, buildings in the middle of the jungle. And, uh, anyway, eventually we meet the, uh, the doctor's been doing things and he's out there with a gun and one of the, one of the security guard types who's also dressed like cargo shorts and wife beater and tattoos everywhere. It's like, we should just shoot him and put him down until we can stop all this nonsense. Chances are they're getting upset by the people in the village. If we go burn that village down with all the people in their huts, we won't have to worry about the people bothering the monkeys anymore. The doctor walks out and he's like, "Ah, oh, we won't do anything like that. We gotta keep this place off the guard. You stay away from the locals. And then from there we cut to Low Town in Madrapur City, so a chunk of the city that's more uh risque, I guess. And uh we find Wolverine Wolverine or Patch at the bar, um, along with uh his pilot buddy, and his pilot buddy is Archie uh, Corrigan, and, uh, this is the bar that Wolverine co-owns with a lady named Tiger Tiger, and it's T-Y-G-E-R, first name, second name, T-I-G-E-R, uh, who's, her real name is Jessica, Jessica Hahn, uh, but she's, a uh, she's basically a bar club runner and dresses very, like, Asian geisha style. Anyway, Wolverine's in there having a drink with him, and he's talking about his woes of, not making enough money, he's gonna lose his cargo business, and, um, his main deal is he transports cargo in and out of Madridport, and it's being harder, for, harder for him to keep his job going, and the two of them, they're taking shots together, and they're talking about the, the alcohol, and Wolverine's like, this is supposed to be the best stuff in the house? And Archie's like, well, yeah, it's the best stuff you can get in Madripoor. And Wolverine, of course, is not impressed. Uh, from there, he tells, as they're talking, he tells Archie, uh, oh, better keep it down about the liquor, cause, uh, Tiger Tiger's coming in, and we don't wanna upset my business partner. And uh, Tiger Tiger shows up, and she's got a guy with her uh, who's the prince. And Prince of Madripoor, he's just another gangster type. And uh, he's got a job. He wants some help from Wolverine. And uh, initially, Wolverine tells him that he's not interested in doing any work for him. And he tells him, well, I need you to, to fly over and check out this area that's having some trouble in the jungle. And I'll tell you what, I'll pay your buddy here triple his fee if he flies you over. I need your eyes on it to see what you think of the situation to assess it. And because he offered Archie triple pay, and Archie's like, Come on, man. Wolverine's like, Okay, I guess uh money talks, so uh yeah, we're gonna go do your job. And uh off the prince goes, and uh Tiger Tiger gives him a kiss on the lip or a kiss on the cheeks and she's like, Thanks for doing this, it'll smooth things over with our business business dealings later. And Wolverine's like, Yeah, yeah, just don't make it a common thing. And Archie's like, Oh yeah, I get to keep my business open for another two weeks And uh the two of them head off to his plane. Archie's hilarious. Uh, so as he's flying, they're, now they're outside, they're flying around the next day, and uh, we join the two of them in the cockpit, and Wolverine's still full on in his white tuxedo, like, patch outfit, which is kind of weird, but that's what he's wearing. And uh, as they're flying above, he's like, well, look for anything with an opening. Chances are there if there's anything happening out here, it won't be underneath this dense forest, because there'd be no way to work underneath it. All you can do underneath it is sweat and slap at flies. And uh, as they're flying around, they spot these two, these two buildings out in the middle of nowhere. And uh, Archie's like, I don't know, it looks like a research facility. And as they fly by, we get a look inside, and we see some of the guys h- hiding around the openings of the windows. So no one sees them. And Wolverine's like, well, it looks abandoned, but I saw a glint over there in the far side, and f- fly over there a little bit. And so they fly around, and we wind up seeing that what Wolverine spotted was actually a Russian a Russian plane crashed in the ground, and not like a normal plane. This is like a crazy advanced flying gunship thing, and it's all beat up, and it, from the look of it, it's been there for a while. And Wolverine says something about that, too. And, uh, as they're uh, talking, something blocks out the sun, and the two of them look up and find out that it's a shield carrier. And, uh, they've sent a couple planes down, and Archie's like, oh, man, looks like they're trying to get us, they want us to get on board. And Wolverine's like, alright, go and go, go ahead and go up and get on there. And, uh, Archie's getting ready to land, and he, he says to Wolverine, well, without a Without a catch hook, I don't know how we're gonna do this. He's like, Oh, don't worry, they turned into the wind for you, so it'll it'll stop you, you'll be fine. And so Archie lands and of course the two of them get out, and they are met by Nick Fury. And Nick Fury's super pissed that Wolverine's out there poking around in, in an area they're they are currently under the process of uh surveilling. And he doesn't want Wolverine to get in his way and cause problems. And Wolverine's like, I go by patch out here, and he's like, I don't care what you go by. He's at this point, you stay out of our business, and I don't want you messing around in it. And he basically threatens him to throw him in the brig if he continues to get in their way. And he's like, so, so you bugger off, pal. Get you, you and your buddy out of here. you feel happy I don't just dump your plane off the back of the edge of the flight carrier. And so Archie and Wolverine both decide to leave. Well, they're told to leave. Um, in the process of flying off, Wolverine tells him to circle back around kind of close to the, the, the Russian plane they saw, but make sure to keep the left side facing the uh, cargo, the helicarrier. And Wolverine tells him, I'll, "I'll see you back at the bar." And off he jumps out the window. Very, I don't know, Captain America off the helicarrier, out of the back of a Quinjet. Right. Um. So, Cavalier, but he's like, "This way, Shield doesn't see me because the the plane will cover me from jumping, so they have no idea I'm down there." And then as he enters the tree line, he just hits every tree on the way down, constantly breaking things, cracking things, snapping things, smashing through all this stuff, Till eventually he crashes on the ground. And then he makes reference of his healing factor and how the Anamanthium won't let his bones break. All he has to do is pop things back in place. And so he, as he gets up, we see like one of his arms is backwards, and he twists it, ar- <laughs> twists it around and pops it back into place. He's like, oh, they should really include some uh no pain with this healing factor, because that would be awesome. No pain factor. And so he straightens his arm out, and for the most part, his suit is still in good shape. So, I mean, there's that. And he starts wandering through the jungle, and uh, we see that somebody has spotted him on a pair of binoculars. And we pull back to see that it's this uh, other, what looks like, uh, I'm going to say Chinese military. And he's like, what is Patch, that, that barstool bum doing out here in the middle of nowhere? He's poking his nose where it doesn't belong. That's alright though, cause since he's out here by himself, I have no idea how he even got out of here. There's no parachute. how did he get here? But I guess my, my, my hired thug henchman can take care of him. He doesn't call him that. He calls him, what does he call him? He calls him his mercenary army. That's close to what I said. His mercenary army can kill them out here and no one will know the difference. Um, in the process of that, we have one of his, uh, thugs drag up a, an indigenous man who he says he ca- caught sneaking around out by the, uh, the camp, and uh, initially he gets, he starts yelling at the dude, puts a gun in his face, and he's like, You're just out here trying to get the reward, aren't you? You're here for the reward, just like all the others. That's all you really want is the reward. And we pull back to see like a tree line, and we see a bang, and birds flying. So clearly he killed the dude. From there, we cut back to Madhrapur International Airport, where we join Archie walking off his plane, and he is met by Tiger Tiger. And she's like, so what'd you guys find out? Like, Where's where's Patch at? And of course Archie's like, well, I'm not going to be, be betray Patch and give up where he is. She's like, well, I wouldn't expect you to. We can't talk in the open open anyway. The only reason I asked him to help the prince is because I wanted to smooth out our business deal we were making. But everything has been going crazy in the island it has to do with what the prince is doing, which is suspicious, and what the general is doing. So the dude in the woods that killed the indigenous guy. She's like, they're both doing something. They're both up to something. Have you noticed any weird cargo planes or any weird planes? in the, Anything weird here at the airport? And Archie's like, "Well, I mean, there was a there was a passenger plane that showed up with a bunch of business types and bigwig types from Russia, but uh, the plane was just full of passengers. Is that weird enough for you?" And uh, we cut from there back to the jungle, and we are now at the lab with the doctor and his his henchmen, and we've got a monkey strapped to the table, and he's getting ready to inject the monkey with something. And uh, as they're talking, they get a phone call. And the phone call is from, uh, Dai Kumono, Kumo, who we, we cut to when we see his face. And like, I've seen this guy before, but I don't really remember where I've seen him. And he kind of looks like the kingpin, except that he has a black widow tattooed on his face. And he is, uh, yelling at the doctor because whatever he's doing is not getting done fast enough. And, uh, he needs, he asks him if he needs to send a fixer out there to get the problem taken care of. And of course he's like, no, no, I've got taken care of. It's fine. And then we cut from there to Wolverine, wandering through the uh, jungle. And he's talking to himself, and he's like, ah, you know, I should have jumped out a lot closer. It looked so much closer from there. And he stops for a second, and you see him like sniff the air, and he, he he hears something. He's like, you know what? I can hear you. I can smell you. It doesn't matter if I can see you or hear you. I can smell you. So you might as well just come down, and we can do this face-to-face. And then from out of nowhere, this giant lady lands down, yells at him, in a foreign language, um, which we get the translation, it says, go to hell. And Wolverine's response to her is like, I'm assuming that doesn't mean, that, that doesn't mean hello, f- how are you, wherever you're from. And she, uh, like, full on whoops him, like, she's a big girl, like, colossus size. And so she decks him, he goes flying into a tree, and he's like, ah, oh, darling, that was no way to make friends. No way to make friends and influence people. And so he picks himself up from the ground... And she starts talking in English, so she speaks English also. And she's like, you're just like the rest of them. You're just looking to cash in on the reward. He's like, I'm not a bounty hunter. What are you talking about? So this is the second person to mention whatever this reward is. And she yells at him in her her normal language. She says liar, and she basically takes to trying to whoop him again. And he does, I mean, he, he gets a couple good looks in on her, but she's a lot bigger than him, so she's knocking him around. And eventually he's like, you know what, I don't want, he goes, I don't want to hurt you. She's like, I don't have to worry about that because I'm going to kill you. And so Wolverine's like, okay, well, if that's how it's going to be, claws are coming out. And so out come the claws, and then we see this like quick blur behind him, and we see his back's been cut. So now his outfit's taken a beating because it's been cut through, and uh, we see there's another guy there, and he is half visible, half invisible, with a set of knives. And uh, this is the first time we get either one of their names, and she uh, she says, I didn't actually help Germal. He's like, oh, but Beth, we're family, dah. Which tells us that they're Russian. And, uh, Wolverine's like, oh, so you guys are like mutants or enhanced. And, uh, that's when Beth says, we, we are both. And the two of them come at him like they're going to kill him. And so he, he's fighting both of them now. And he's like, I'm not trying to fight you guys. I don't want to, I'm not trying to turn people in at all. Like, I don't want to turn mutants in. Like, cause he, we, none of us understand what this reward's about. And he assumes it's a reward for capturing the two of them but we still don't have any clue what that's about. Wolverine stamps her in the arm, so he puts both his claws through her, and she's like, ah, you did just what I wanted you to. And then her brother runs around, or whoever he is, runs around behind him and gives him a couple good cuts, and she punches him in the face and tears his his claws out of her arm, and uh, they leave him flat on the ground, like, back all bloody, and presumably knocked out. And uh, he says to her, oh, even a a mutant can never revive from that. There's so much damage to him. He's dumb. And so the two of them walk off into the woods. Well, I mean, this is Wolverine, so, you know, he gets better. And uh, after he gets better, he looks around, he's, he sees the blood trail, and he's like, huh, she left a great blood trail. And uh, that's kind of where it ends, him getting up to go follow the blood trail to see where they're going. Um, as far as an issue, I mean, it's a miniseries, it's a five-part. And as far as stories, I mean, it's Wolverine doing Wolverine stuff. I thought it was really fun. I mean, I give it a three and a half. I like Larry Hammond just in general, so that's a fun read for me. It does jump around kind of a lot, because we go between the Madripoor Airport, the Madripoor or the bar, the jungle, the lab, so it's kind of... There's a lot of places we go to fairly quickly. It's interesting enough, though, and I I think by the time we get to the end of it, there's at least three different bad guys or groups running around, and whatever this reward's about, I mean, at least the general knows about it, and these two Russians know about it, but The rest of us don't. So I guess we'll see what that is. I don't know. I give, like I said, I give it three and a half. I like the art. I mean, I like Wolverine, so I'm predisposed to like it. I guess.
3: Forty five. What do you know about the? uh
2: I think that the shield and the Russians are looking for that downed aircraft. Maybe the the downed Russian aircraft. I think what's going on in that hut is a totally different thing.
1: Yeah, like I was saying, there's there's multiple bad there's multiple things going on.
2: Yeah, but that's I think what like, that's what they're looking for is that downed aircraft.
1: Well, it makes sense because when we see it, like Wolverine says, it's like an experimental aircraft. The way it looks, yeah, doesn't make sense for the time frame at all. And it's not like a it's not like a normal looking aircraft.
2: But um, I don't know. It's hokey, man. It really is. Like like literally, it says when they're in the air when, when they get. Offered the job, and he's like, Let's not make a habit of, the, habit of this. And then it like skips to like the next page. It says the next day, and like he's still wearing a tuxedo, like in the plane.
1: That's what I said. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, like, that part's weird.
2: He like seriously is like still wearing a tuxedo. And I'm like, Really?
1: Yeah, I the mean, costume change, the, the, the fact there is not one,
2: is a little weird. But yeah, I don't know. I think it's odd, personally. Like, I, I think the whole thing's just kind of, kind of hokey. But I don't know. Is it supposed to be an ongoing or what? No, it's a five-part miniseries. Five part. Mini-series. It's five part. So. Yeah, it's a
1: miniseries set in the past. Uh, they're doing a batch of different books that are flashing back to older times. Uh, there's an X-Men book coming out. This is X-Men '92. It's like it's 1992. There's X-Men Legends that the first series just wrapped up at issue 12. And it jumps between different parts, like one of the books is before New Mutants becomes a thing, one of the books is before Excalibur becomes a thing. The next series is doing the same idea, and it's it's timing, so they're doing another series of X-Men Legends, and the time frame it's picking up is around the same time Wolverine and the Hulk have their first run-in, and it's about part of why Wolverine was there. So story elements that were never included in the original stories because they didn't have to think that far in advance. And no way back then asked questions. So this is the same idea. It's a return to older time with a story, with a writer that's from that time frame. I mean, Larry's from the eighties and nineties. That was his highlight.
2: Yeah, I mean, it it like some of those early GI Joe books, and even well, I feel like they they flowed better. Like, and then the current run, the real American Hero stuff now. Sure. When I did flip through it, it 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 reads rough. Like, I I mean, I don't know. Time
1: times caught up with him.
2: His writings haven't aged. His writing hasn't aged well. <laughs> I mean, I didn't think that. The, I don't. I didn't think it's hokey, but I don't. I didn't think the writing was bad. I didn't, right? I, the jumping around it was just. It was just seemed like you could have inserted like anybody into that role. You know, what I mean, you could be like insert Duke here, and it would have been like a Joe Joe story pretty easily, kind of thing. You know and I mean, like, sure.
1: Other than him using his claws and talking about his healing factor. There's no, I mean,
2: I mean, yeah. insert wise, it was whatever. I mean, I give it a three and a half, probably. Like, I mean, how some people are with, like, I guess, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a comparison that, like, some people will just read everything and, like, like, never tire of it. Like, how you and T. Brown are with Batman, like, you'll read anything Batman. Like yeah, whatever. It's Batman. Like I'll read it, and it's fantastic. It's always it's because it's Batman. And like, mm. yeah, not every like, is fantastic, but most of it is, yeah. Well, I mean, and to you guys, it is. But like, I mean, and I don't say everything's fantastic, but like Wolverine to me is always like, if Wolverine's in a book, it's always going to be at least good, right? It doesn't matter like what version of him you get. Like it's always going to be it's always going to be pretty good. So I mean, yeah.
1: No, I also thought the the costume situation was a little weird. I don't know why you'd ever get onto a, a plane to go surveil an area and wear In a, a tuxedo. Full, like, yeah. it didn't
2: even change. No, it's like he didn't even like. It's not even that he didn't change. It's like, did he even go home?
1: I mean, probably not. I mean, it's Wolverine. He's a hard drinking, hard playing dude. So probably not. I mean, the way they make it look, if, if the two things they didn't need to have the tomorrow or the next day, if they wouldn't have that caption there, it would make more sense. Like. Because when in the bar where they make the proposals made, we have no idea what time of the day it is. They didn't tell. They don't tell us Madripoor at night, because it, it doesn't say that. So like the two of them are in there drinking. For all we know, they're day drinking. I mean, Archie's in there complaining about not making money as a pilot and being in debt, and Wolverine's like, "This alcohol is not the best alcohol ever." So
2: it, well, Tiger, Tiger says good evening.
1: Oh, I guess she... okay. Well, if she says good evening, then it sets the time frame for night. But that also doesn't have to be there. She can just say hello, boys. I mean, you could rearrange some of that wording and it wouldn't matter to make the jump to the plane more immediate. But yeah, that part, like I said, i have always doing the description. I said that it's, it's weird that he's in the suit (laughs) rather than anything else, really.
2: Because the normal patch, like costume is like the all black.
1: Well, he wears the suit too,
2: like during that time frame. Yeah, him, yeah, but like but, his, but his action suit is like yeah. the sleeveless black suit. The white, the white beater and pants, and then the gloves. Oh, but they had like black on black. No, like it was like a st- like it was like black pants, black, black tank top.
1: Mm, well, black, yeah, yeah, it is the black uniform with the eye makeup, the vision thing when he's in the in the plane. Why, why would he be in the same suit?
2: Yeah, like the black, blacked out eyes, like the, black yeah. the yeah,
1: like the like. So kinda of how Green Arrow did kinda of how Green Arrow did his eyes in the first couple of seasons where they had the black face paint over it. That's what he would run around in when he was doing Wolverine stuff. But yeah, the rest of the time he wore the suit. But yeah, the suit in the plane still doesn't make any sense. you think he would have switched to the uh Yeah,
2: that's what that was weird. But again, I'm kinda of making fun of the Clark Kent thing, I guess.
1: Maybe if you look at it that way then it's all fine. But yeah, it's still it's still weird. Well, the first five issues of the, the the regular Wolverine series were when he was when he was wearing the patch outfit, and it it is the black and black costume, but it's not it's not a Wolverine costume. It, it still is weird that he's wearing it in the plane, regardless. Be yeah, as far as his styling when he, whenever he was patched, he, his dress was different because he was a nightclub runner, and he didn't. Yeah, I don't know. It, yeah, I agree. It's still weird. We'll see. So after books. We'll move on to, uh, we'll do we are on in the interview with Jimmy Palmiotti. Uh, this is from, uh, the Rhode Island Comic Con 2021. And uh, like I said earlier, uh, I apologize to Jimmy for not getting this out there in the world sooner, but really appreciate it. He's an awesome dude. Great to talk to. Super fun. Him and, him and his wife Amanda, both great people. Again, that convention was a lot of fun. So, uh, we'll go and run that for you. And now uh, we'll back in just a second.
3: the Top 5 Comics Podcast here at the Rhode Island Comic-Con 2021, and I am here with...
0: Jimmy Pomiati.
3: And Jimmy, like, career-wise, brother, you've been doing this for a very, very long time.
0: I have, 30 30 years, at least 30 years.
3: So, I guess what I want for our audience is like a short origin story, if if you can give me that.
0: Uh, I was born on a dying planet, and my (laughs) parents... No, I'm kidding. Uh, I was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York, um... You know, and this is before cable TV, before computers, before all that stuff. So, to keep ourselves busy, it was either play in the dirt in the backyard or read comic books. And comic books were everywhere in my life. They were my—I had older brothers who had comics. Uh, my uncle owned a barbershop, and he had stacks of comics in it. And uh, so I was always reading comics. And um, and then, like when I got in my teens, I started like drawing them. You know, copying them and eventually I went to uh... high school of art and design in new york which was a uh, high school focuses on art and i took comic art there i realized that they pay horribly and decided to change my major to advertising even though i love comic books there's no money to be made in it and i worked in advertising for ten years until uh... i turned thirty and then i decided let me see if i can try comics again and i went in and i was an assistant to Mark Texera, who was drawing Ghost Rider and The Punisher at the time. And he was also a guy I went to high school with. Um, and when I worked, I worked up at Marvel helping people, you know, finish their books. I started getting regular work as an inker. I did a bunch, I inked a bunch of comics. I met Joe Casada. We uh, formed a company called Event Comics and we put out Painkiller Jane and Ash and 22 Brides. And while we were doing that, Marvel was in Chapter 11. And they needed some help with some books up there, and they hired us to come work in the penthouse of the Marvel offices, and we created Marvel Knights. And we took our buddies like, Kev- like Mark Texera, Kevin Smith, Jim Owsley, uh, Jay Lee, Paul Jenkins, Garth Innes, Bernie Wrightson, and we created the Marvel Knights line, and we relaunched uh, Daredevil, The Punisher, Inhumans, and, and Black Panther. And uh, those did very well uh marvel went out of bankruptcy when uh, i decided to go back to start writing some more and doing my own things and uh and, and then after that i started writing more uh i started writing uh jonah hex for a bunch of years i wrote the uh power girl uh some vampirella i did uh and then uh and then i got on with amanda connor with my wife amanda uh, we met in got along, and we got married, and uh, and we started working on Harley Quinn. Did Harley Quinn for like five or six years, and now we're doing yeah, a whole bunch of things. Uh, Red Sonya is one of them right now. But that's my quick, not-so-secret origin. So, yeah, uh, there you go.
3: Oh, good stuff, man. Well, actually, last week I was in Denver talking to Chad. He had nothing but great things to say about you guys. Oh, he's a
0: lovely man. Amazing artist. Creative bastard. He's just... He's a wonderful guy. We love Chad. Chad's part of our family. So, yeah.
3: Well, fantastic. So, like, the way I understand it, the first book you guys, you and Amanda, worked together on was Gargoyles.
0: Yeah, it's true. We, uh, I met, I was called up to Marvel to ink her on the Gargoyles covers, and then they gave me a couple issues. And Amanda was looking to do some other kind of work, and I knew people at Harris doing Vampirella. So, I got her some work on uh, Vampirella, and she's been working ever since.
3: So, like, you mentioned Pangular Jane earlier, and I know you guys just either wrapped up a Kickstarter or...
0: We did. We just finished the Kickstarter for Jane. It, like, ended, like, around two days ago, two, three days ago. Very successful. One of my most successful Kickstarters. And Jane's a character that every year I kind of do a new Jane book. So I kickstarted because basically it's a lot easier than dealing with a publisher. And i got gotten Kickstarted down to science now with that one was our 19th Kickstarter so I've done a lot of them and then you know we have a paper we have a uh, a website called Paper Films and anything you miss you can kind of go there and buy I mean it's always cheaper to get it from the Kickstarter but we still have we kind of sell what we call our uh, returns or things we over over ordered Um, we do that because we get a lot of um, shipping problems once in a while so we over order on the books but uh yeah, so Jane ended, but, you know, I'm working on another Jane book as we speak, so...
3: Oh, that's awesome. Okay, so you kind of talked about influences earlier. Like, when you coming up as a kid, like, what was your favorite book?
0: So, I loved Fantastic Four. I had all the issues. I had one to 125. Um, I liked Superman. I liked, uh, I liked Jonah Hex. I liked the Westerns. I liked, the, uh... I bought a little bit of everything. I liked horror comics. And then I was in my teens, I started buying Heavy Metal magazine, and that's when I fell in love with the European artists like Mobius and Jordi Burnet and Manara. Um, and I started reading other stuff besides superheroes. It's probably why I love all genres of comics. I don't just love superheroes, I love pretty much everything Sword and Sorcery, you know, Conan. I was a huge fan of Conan had all my Barry Smith pronouns, and uh, all the magazines, the black and white magazines, and the horror magazines. I, I liked everything. I mean, I-, I bought so much comics when I was a kid. Thank God we had a big basement, because I just throw them all in the
3: basement. That's awesome, man. What is your go-to karaoke song?
0: I was, I was going to say Paradise by the Dashboard Lights to be funny, but... Um,
3: Draw a crowd. Hmm... Thank you, Amanda. It's great
0: Oh, it's good to see you. I man. was going to say Addicted so to Love, man. maybe, by yeah, Robert Palmer. I'm, ah. But I expect I changed it to Dickhead in Love, so,
3: you know. <laughs> well, it's good. You can do whatever you want. karaoke.
0: Yeah, it's exactly I'm it. Very it's very exactly great. it. We'll it's
3: All right, right, so if you were stranded yeah, on a deserted right. island, right. and you only take five well, uh, items with you, what five well, items would you take? Would Amanda
0: Conner be, be considered box, an item? okay. Okay, I would take Amanda. All right, we'll see that. I would take my friend, Dr. Steve. He's a doctor. Um I would take a uh a really nice condominium. Um I would take uh probably a Whole Foods and um and a box of fireworks. I don't know. Just to keep myself entertained.
3: <laughs> I like how we have a whole store and then a, a box of fireworks. Fantastic. <laughs> oh man. Alright, last one. Okay. If you lived in Fantasyland, would you ride a chocolate pony?
0: Like with or without a saddle? Like what are we talking about? I mean,
3: he's all chocolate, so sure.
0: I mean, is he a melty chocolate <laughs> pony, or is he like, or is the weather good enough that he's not going to melt? Yeah, sorry, I'm answering the question about a chocolate chocolate pony. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I
3: want to be in on this conversation. <laughs>
0: You can answer it,
3: too, man. Tell me what to
0: sign it. Oh, I see. All right. Oh, the pony. Yes, I would ride on a chocolate pony, and if it if it broke its leg, I would shoot it and eat it. So, yes.
3: <laughs> the perfect answer. That's awesome. Yeah, man. Well, Jimmy, I think you take the time to talk with, talking with oh, me.
0: My pleasure, buddy. Any time, any time, any convention. Thanks a lot, man. All right.
1: And just want to thank Jimmy again for taking the time to sit down and chit-chat with me during a busy convention. Lots of people, lots of things. Um, gracious dude, so awesome. Um, yeah, fantastic people, both him and Amanda are great. Um, see, so after that, uh, what would you learn today, Josh?
2: I guess Wolverine's just as good at what he does in a, a tuxedo. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is, apparently when you go on espionage missions, you don't have to change, I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's still a question. Uh, what did I learn today, Josh?
2: Just because a guy kills a bunch of other guys doesn't mean he's a bad guy. I mean, that's true. That's, that's true. I, I
1: yeah, okay, okay. With the thing, I, I'm with you. Alright, uh, you got any books to watch?
2: Just that, that I'm looking forward to that Serpentor thing coming out. Sure. Um I know that there's a big anniversary G.I. Joe issue coming out, but it got delayed. Um it has Snake Eyes on the cover. Oh, that's cool. But it got delayed for some reason. I'm not sure what's going on with that, but it's like a big anniversary issue. I don't know if they're trying to just get a bunch of stuff in before IDW loses the license, or that's what? That's kind of
1: what it seems like, maybe. Like, the, with the license changing hands or whatever's happening with it. But with
2: drawn, they're writing this? Does that mean that, like, they might reclaim Hasbro? Like,
1: no idea. Marvel
2: might get, get that back? I don't know.
1: I doubt it'll land at Marvel. I, I find it more likely to land someplace else. But when it comes to choices, I mean, Robert Kirkman's expressed interest, I guess, according to the Internet. So, I mean, it might land at Image slash Skybound.
2: It's been at image before though.
1: J. Joe Chejo's yeah. devil Devil's Dude. Well, oh yeah, it was with Image for a minute. Mm. It was.
2: Devil's Dew. So Dude. yeah,
1: when it comes to recycling, I mean, as far as stories,
2: yeah, it was Devil's Dew started as an like an imprint of Image and then it I think initially.
1: I don't really remember that. They part
2: moved over there cuz Micronauts moved over there too.
1: Well, it's all part of the same contract. Like they had the the Hanna Barbara or Hasbro, sorry, Hasbro contract. Has Micronauts, GI Joe, and Transformers. That's how it's usually sold as a package.
2: I don't know if it was sold as a package back then necessarily. Yeah, I don't, because I think that yeah. like I think Transformers stayed on Image. I don't think I don't think Transformers ever went to Devil's Due. It stayed on Image because it's a bigger license. They did go
1: someplace else though. They went to. They uh, might
2: now, uh, but no,
1: yeah, they probably were separate back then. Like the current contract with IDW is for all of them because it even includes. Uh, Oh, uh, Action Man Jurassic. and Mask and uh, Rom, but at one point in time, and it might have just been that they didn't have the other pieces. But Transformers was with was with Dreamwave for a little while.
2: Yeah, you're right. It so, was. Like, but that was the only book that they had. It was but was were they part of Image? Were they? A-
1: I don't think so. Dream Dreamwave wasn't. Dreamwave Wave, wave was a uh, Pat Lee's imprint. You know what? They may have started. as it though? So I feel like it started as a uh, gosh. Yeah. You know, I'd, I'd have to go back and look at some of that stuff. Because From what I remember, Dreamwave was its own company, but I think it spun out of Image, because Pat Lee was the guy in charge of all that, and it was Pat Lee's company. And then it ended, basically, because Pat wasn't paying people. And then he kind of disappeared. Like, Alvin, his brother, is still doing stuff, um, but Alvin would have been working at the company for Pat, so I don't... If it spun out of there, that Dark Minds book went over there, too, and it was an Image book initially. So maybe... I guess I don't really... I don't think it was an imprint. I think it was It its, was. Um, was it?
2: Mm-hmm. Um, Pat and Roger Lee, both founded uh, brothers, founded Dreamwave Productions in Toronto, Canada, in 96 as an imprint under Image. Okay. So that imprint... That's where they first published Dark Minds. was their first book they did underneath it. Right.
1: So that being an imprint would have been how it connected to that contract.
2: So I guess they were technically all under Image.
1: Yeah. at the end of the day, the imprints are run separate even though they're connected. Because, yeah, that whole company went under because Pat wasn't paying people. Or whoever works for him is supposed to pay people wasn't paying people. So that ended Dreamwave. But, yeah, like, as a thing, if, if they were connected at the beginning with Image that way, that's probably how that landed over there imprint-wise was from Image. So, that still connects the contract. Whether they had all those pieces or not, I really don't know. I mean... That's more of a, yeah, that's a, that's a different kind of question. I have to do some more research to know that. But yeah, when it comes to different places it's landed, I mean, I guess it could go back to Marvel. I mean, Marvel has been picking up a batch of the old stuff they used to have. I mean, they have Conan now. Uh, they picked up the, well, they didn't pick up, they appropriated from buying Fox, um, both aliens and predators. So, I mean, maybe. Probably G.I. Joe back in the Marvel house it would be interesting. I guess we'll see. Um, so, as far as books to watch, uh, what I, what I would give you is, uh, DC's got their Flashpoint Beyond getting ready to come out. Uh, issue zero drops next week. It's, uh, it's a return to the Flashpoint world with Thomas Wayne, and, uh, it's still Jeff Johns writing it, and the first zero issue, all the, all the images out for it look really cool. And the Flashpoint story was really cool, so I, it'll be interesting to see Johns doing another batch of, of the stories connected to that. I think that'll be really cool. Uh, DC's, uh, Catwoman number 40, 43, in particular, is a Catwoman, uh, Harley Quinn story, and it looks great. Like, the cover's so cool. Um, so I'd say that guy, because there's nothing else to be a fun one-off type story. And there's a couple new ones coming out from, uh, from Image. One of them is Do a Powerbomb, that's the name of the book. It's, uh, being written by Daniel Warren Johnson, and is also drawn by him. So the same dude who did the, uh... Better a Bill series fairly recently and it's a it's a mini series it's a seven part and it also to do with a uh wrestler who's or a lady wrestler who' has wanted to be a wrestler her whole life, but she's been stuck underneath the uh the legacy of her mom um and she gets invited to join this wrestling league that happens to be run by a necromancer that's basically just something the dead is what it looks like. The couple test pages that are in the catalog look great. So, I mean, Google do a Powerbomb image. I'm sure you'll find it. Um, it looks so cool. And then there's a book called After School, which is a four-part miniseries coming out from also Image Comics under Skybound, so the Robert Kirkman imprint. And I've gotten the read issue wanted that guy already, and it's it's good. It has to do with a, uh, a young girl in high school um, has trouble asserting herself in the world, and their parents decided to help her. They'll get her a dog. Well they get her dog and the dog turns out not maybe the maybe not to be a real dog and something else instead uh which changes her whole like uh, presence in the world like uh it helps the girl like i don't know to be assertive and do things right and just be uh just be on um but yeah it's uh first thing she's it's pretty good i mean there's a there's a couple gross pieces in it. They do a f- frog a dissection that goes badly, and it's pretty gross. And there's some other parts about building a spaceship with organs. That's pretty gross. But uh, yeah, first issue is great. Uh, so I'd say yeah, watch out for that guy. It's uh, again, it's a mini series from Image, but it looks freaking awesome. And the first issue is good. I mean, like I said, I read it already. So good stuff. Uh, Forty-five. You got anything else over there? I'm good, man. All right, switch key. Ah, come on.